Hi friends, we're at the 2018 PRI show in Indianapolis doing a, a live stage recording of our podcast called V8 Radio. And I'm joined uh, by our esteemed co-host, Mr. Mike Cuball clark How you doing, Kev? It's good to actually see you this time. Right on. And, uh, and also uh, joined by Rod Eupner, who's a member of the V8 Speed and Resto team and also V8 TV team. And uh, here at the PRI show, we've been shooting television and, uh, and video uh, for the past three days, but we thought it might be kind of fun as the show winds down to shoot an episode of our podcast, which is normally audio only. Correct. But this time, it's, uh, we've added the next dimension of a, a visual. And Rod has the distinction of being our very first guest. Our very Fantastic. first uh, uh, live in-person guest. Live in-person guest. Yeah, right on. Honored. Absolutely honored. Well, as the, uh, the honored guest, it's your job to come up with an adjective for this show. <laughs> you know, I would probably say this would be an exasperating episode. Uh, I've been working hard for the last four days. We've had a ton of interviews. We've had a ton of folks on stage, um, some absolutely amazing roundtables, and we've had a great time uh, getting out and visiting some of the vendors and seeing the new products that were out. So uh, I think that uh, as we wind down day three of PRI 2018, we are, uh, we're all pretty exasperated. Sold. Can't disagree with that. Yeah, that was a win right there. <laughs> that was exasperating just listening to that. <laughs> I'm impressed. All right, well, yeah, for sure. We are here at the PRI show, and uh, for those who've never been, this is the uh, performance racing industry show. And it's uh, uh, an industry-only trade show once again. Uh, the general public is not allowed in, uh, which is why media folks such as ourselves uh, come here and record stuff to share with the people at home uh, all things racing. And uh, so, Mike, you're a, 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 an industry trade show veteran. I, indeed I am, Kevin. And I'm a welder. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you uh, tell us uh, what your, your impressions are, because you've, uh, you've not seen a whole lot of the show. No, I've seen a heck of a lot of cool race trailers, I'll tell you what. Um, I did uh, walk through the convention center on my way in here, and just a little bit I got was really really over the top it, it's it's a mechanic a mechanical dream yeah uh seeing all these cool race parts here and in, in, in as far as the eye can see everything that that there is to offer well what's really cool for me about this show is it's all things racing and you learn here what people are actually racing right on yeah <laughs> you know because you think yeah sure the big stuff open wheel mm -hmm. indie car you know drag racing nhra but you find people racing stuff that you wouldn't even believe but I, I guess, you know, it's true what they say. If there's two of anything, people will race them. Exactly. That's how, that's how you get barstool racing and, and lawnmower <laughs> racing. That's right. <laughs> people racing for how quickly they can turn our show off. You know? <laughs> Rod, what do you think of uh, PRI this year? You got to spend some time on the floor. I did. Um, you know, I was super impressed with the quantity of new products that are out there. You know, the innovation uh, and the creativity of what people are developing and, and how they're bringing it out. And, um, you know, I think you mentioned earlier that it's, it's really about all things going faster. And some of the, the technology that has been developed is just bringing everything to the next level. Um, the ability, some of the machines out there that they show, um, you know, there's the CNC machines, they've got boring machines, uh, crank machines, and, and they're utilizing those to build these monster one-off billet aluminum blocks that are just, you know, absolutely amazing. Um, you know, obviously tune in to some of our episodes as you'll be able to see uh, some of the John Kazi and Jessel and Mike Moran motors that uh, came out. But um, for me, it's probably the new products that I, I enjoy seeing, the, the innovation that's coming out. You know, the technology has allowed for fantasies to become reality. And, and what I mean by that is, uh, 
our friends over at JE Pistons uh, created uh, an award. It's called the, uh, the Masters of Motors Award. And what they did is looked at uh, uh, you know, all these different ways people compete with cars, the car shows and whatnot, but they noticed that nobody was really opening the hoods and giving people the, the thumbs up to you know, what engine's under the hood. Uh, so the Masters of Motors, of course, JE Pistons makes pistons, so of course they're centered around motors. But they, they had a, a very cool team of judges um, that are very active in the industry. So David Freiberger from uh, uh, Roadkill and Hot Rod. Uh, this year, Jeff Smith uh, was a judge here at the PRI show. Of course, former Hot Rod editor and Chevy High Performance Magazine, a lot of other different uh, motorsports publications. Uh, Brian Loans, uh, who was uh, with Bankshift and now is uh, going to be the, uh, the anchor for Fox's NHRA right. coverage, which right. is very cool. Yeah. Um, and then uh, who's the, uh, the fourth judge? He's from Moto IQ, right? Yeah, he was from Moto IQ. I uh, uh, his name escapes me. But they, they had a bunch of different categories of, of engines that they uh, were going for, and then one master. And the, the engine that won the Master of Motors Award, the Innovation Award, uh, was essentially hand-built, obviously using machines, but uh, it was done by uh, uh, Dan Jezel, uh, Jezel Valve Train, and this is a block design and a valve train design that he purely dreamed up in his head. Wow. So it's not like it's a 427 Chevy that has parts on it. This is the only one of its kind. Huh. Uh, similar to the, the Masters of Motors award that was presented at SEMA when Joe Schubeck won. Oh, yeah. uh, but this time, uh, it's a billet aluminum block, uh, you know, billet heads, and, and his design uh, criteria was that he wanted to line up that push rod so that the lifter cup went straight up the push rod and straight to the rocker and straight down the valve and nothing is skewed or canted or anything. So he calls it, what's the name of the, the engine rod? The, uh, the Equal 8? The Equal 8, yeah, yeah, I think that's what it was. So both sides of the engine are perfectly symmetrical. There's not one cylinder that's leading the others. Really? Like you find, on, yeah, it's crazy. And to, to Rod's point, the technology we have today with CNC machines and, and the ability to make things that, that just don't exist out of you know, anything allowed, it took him seven years, but it allowed him to build this one-of-a-kind engine. And it was a great, great story about how it won the, the Masters of Motors competition because that engine really wasn't supposed to be here. And his friends were, were giving him a hard time saying, yeah, that, that thing in the garage that you're working on, you know, it's getting close. You should, you should bring that to PRI. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, it hasn't even run yet. Why do I want to bring that to PRI? You're crazy. Because, you know, the Jezel company has been making high-performance rockers and valve train parts for 40 years. And he wasn't going to present this as it was an available product to buy. It was his personal, you. you know, personal uh, project. So uh, finally enough of his buddies said, no, nah, you should take that, you know. So he brought it here. And then uh, I think his brother got an email saying, hey, they got this... Uh, Masters of Motors thing, maybe you should sign up. Oh, I don't know, I'm not gonna enter this in competition, it's not even finished. So he signs up and he wins. My gosh, <laughs> yeah. what a great platform that Masters of Motors is for, for a guy like that to, to display that engine for, for everyone to see. Right, exactly, and, and, and uh, it's fun because the even you know, more interesting was the number two, the runner up, if you will, mm -hmm. in that class was another specially designed, full custom billet V8 engine oh. that was built by Mike Moran at Mike Moran Motorsports. Oh boy. And this is the one that's been all over the internet and, and a lot of publications, because it made 5,400 horsepower, Ooh. right, somewhere around there. And Jezel helped Moran 
designed that one. Really? Yes. So uh, Jezel helped them with a lot of the design aspects of the engine. So when the Masters of Motors judge team was scouring the PRI show, they landed on this you know, 5,000 plus horsepower billet turbo engine and Jezel's hand-built engine. They said, who's going to win this? You know, because they're both equally worthy. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the interesting, fun part of that was uh, they gave the nod to Jezel and Mike Moran immediately hugged him and said, you picked the right guy. Good, that's and great. Showed uh, uh, gratitude and uh, recognition and respect. Sure. So we were joking, it was uh, uh, the student becomes the master and the master quickly showed the student what it was all about. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. So we were fortunate here. Uh, our location, uh, uh, for those listening, is at the, uh, the VATV PRI stage. So in the uh, Lucas Oil Stadium, they, they carved out uh, a little spot to be able to do interviews and, and shoot some feature videos. And we had the uh, Masters of Motors trophy here and Jezel and some of the judges oh, and uh, Loans and Freiberger, uh, they came here yesterday and, and uh, uh, presented this award and uh, we got a chance to see that. That's an 80 pound yeah. villain trophy. That's an impressive That's looking beautiful. trophy. Yeah. So without the technology advancing like it is, we, you wouldn't be able to do that kind of stuff. So, uh, and again, it's kind of ridiculous. It's not gonna be a production engine and you know, nobody really needed it. It's just a, right. a, like the ultimate ex, you know, expression of a, a guy playing in a hobby that he does best. And next spring, he's taking it to Bonneville, right? Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, Speed Week is in the fall, but uh, the idea is to, uh, to get it running. And do you remember what, what the car is it's gonna go into? I do not remember what he said uh, that it was going in. Yeah, but but they're gonna run it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things that impressed me the most about the, the Master Motors was the diversity of the different engines that were entered into the competition. Um, you know, they had some of the best appearing, the best naturally aspirated. Um, so they had a wide variety of different choices. And, you know, a Honda motor uh, came in, some of the new Toyota, um, the J platforms were there. Um, and just absolutely impressive with what they've been able to do, not only from uh, you know, an appearance perspective, but also the mechanical knowledge and, and the, the horsepower um, that they're putting out of these machines. Just a, super impressive. Yeah, totally. Um, so, and of course, we were very fortunate that they came over to our stage and hung out with us uh, because over the past couple of days, we've been hosting interviews and doing some some roundtables, and I guess a roundtable discussion was never the appropriate title because we don't have a table and we have nothing that's round. Uh, more of a panel discussion. And uh, an interesting thing happened here. So Mike and I, you know, we were talking before on previous episodes of VA Radio about, you know, a particular moment, you know, that occurs right. at a show. So at the SEMA show, we you might have a SEMA moment where something just kind of special happens. And uh, uh, Rod had one here. Do tell, Rod. Well, he, you know, I'm going to set this up. We had a, a, a panel of what we call the legends of NMCA. So some right. NMCA racers, the original streetcar drag race guys. Uh, and our panel consisted of David Freiberger, who was at Hot Rod at the time, uh, Nick Scavo, Bill Travato, Gary Rowe. Um, uh, who else am I missing? Uh, uh, Tony uh, um, Bischoff from, from Bischoff Racing Engines. I think that's everybody, right? Yeah, and uh, they're telling their stories about uh, what it was like to be in the fastest streetcar competitions 
and uh, and Rod's Rod's got this look, <laughs> and I knew something was going on. So Rod, take it away. Well, you know, I, I I've always been a car guy, but uh, I was always a pretty entry level hot rodder. You know, do it yourself. Right. And um, I went to a World Streetcar Shootout and was just absolutely in awe seeing these door slammers running, you know, eights, nines, 10 second quarter miles um, in full steel body cars. Mm. Uh, some of them were 10, five tires, some of them were the big tire cars, but uh, it, it, I, I looked at that and I said, that's what I want to do next. That's the car that I want to build. And All right. um, that series and, and those guys I've, I've always looked up to. So it was kind of like, um, you know, not necessarily starstruck because they're great down to earth, normal guys, but uh, you know, it was just that, holy cow, look at, Look at the legends that are sitting up here that um, not everybody knows about because they're not quite to that level yet, or they're you know they're not quite right. as astounding as the Sonny Leonard's and the the Jessels and the um, you know John Cosies. But you know these guys were innovators in the day. They were doing things that um, people wouldn't think of to get their car down that track faster. Um, and that's what inspired me to, to start my Pro Street build. That was so it was uh, it was awesome to see the guys and, and to have some conversation uh, with them. Uh, you know, as, and as Nick would say, hey. I'm Nick freaking Scavo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was awesome to uh, to get to spend some time with them. It was very cool. That's terrific. Yeah. Well, and and interestingly enough, um, we had uh, uh, Caleb Stryker here at the show, and Caleb works in our V8 Speed and Resto shop, mm-hmm. and he's 18. Is he 19 yet? Just turned 19. Just, yet, he, yep. just turned 19, and he's been working with us for a couple of years now. Uh, started off in the co-op program at his high school. Right. Uh, in machining and, and started working for us and we he does all kinds of mechanical work and different things but he's also a dirt track racer uh, his him and his brother and uh, you know his family had a team and they, they currently race so Caleb comes here to see all those racing parts and uh, he stood there and watched that whole seminar and, uh, and, nice. and just loved it and I didn't know I, I, you know he's a younger guy we're talking about events from 25 years ago. Right and names that he might not know. And I'm trying to think that, you know, does this have any effect, but he was affected. Very much so, yeah. He said, he said the same thing. He said, you know, I'm, I'm more starstruck with these guys than I would be, you know, any NASCAR driver or, you know, Richard Petty or any of those guys because, um, you know, those guys seem like they're just up on a pedestal and, and these are real down-to-earth guys that, that, like I said, they're innovators. Yeah, they I mean, blaze they, the trail. Yeah. They blaze the trail and they set they set the stage for what is now, you know, the the streetcar scene that's that's hot and heavy. I mean, everywhere you look, it's it's no prep, it's faster mm-hmm. streetcar, it's outlaws, it's things of that sort. And um, those guys were the pioneers of that, um, and, and being able to see that, and and you know, Caleb at his young age, thinking, wow, those you know, those, those are the guys that would be on TV right now, had they been doing this kind of stuff, and, and right. people had the interest back in uh, you know, late '80s, early '90s when uh, when when it was hot in that scene. Yeah, that, that's great that events that happened that long ago still affect the younger guys that are coming up now. Yeah, absolutely. So that really gives me hope for the whole street scene and and the whole hobby and industry in general. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, I'm not gonna say anything, but now we've added uh, Rod to our V8 radio show, who. Uh, also has an unfinished project in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> the answer to your question, Kevin, is Actually, no, two. it is not done. My answer is not complete. Well, uh, now you can pick on him because he started that Pro Street project because of these guys, but that was farther 
ago. Right? Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's going on probably 25 years. Come on, Rod. Uh, Mine's only on three years. <laughs> but but you got to remember that I did build a car in between there, oh, yes. as well uh, as I have another one that's on the verge of, uh, of hopefully being finished. So I'm on two cars. That one just kind of got moved right, aside. Right, you know, you're, on the, you're on the Sunbeam. Yes. Too, right? yep. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Well, and plus, you know, the Camaro that kind of always stayed alive and did power yep. tour after power tour after power yeah, tour. So you, I, I'm not picking on it, but I just thought it was kind of funny. You know, the people are going to be like, yeah, you guys are, you guys are good. Yeah. <laughs> you guys got a speed shop and none of you have cars that are done. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I mean, if I could, uh, if I had the resources to hire our own shop to do something, it would, it would be really special. Be really we, we might have to look into that. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, right now, we have too many great customer cars we have to build, which is a wonderful problem. Mm -hmm. It's a great problem to have. Yeah. So, uh, about the GTO. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, you got to meet Randy today. Yes, yes. So our, our V8 radio listeners have uh, heard of the elusive Randy, mm -hmm. who's uh, a guy who's helping you out with some space right. and tools. And... He, he's not just my imaginary friend. He is real. <laughs> and he was here. Yeah. Flesh and, and, and so was uh, Rob Veneziano. Yes. Yeah. That was cool. I, I gave those guys a big uh, thank you for helping you out because, uh, you know, yeah, they they have they've both helped quite a bit. Uh, Rob with his uh, his sandblaster in his shop, uh, you took a lot of my parts there. Randy with his ex expertise, trying to help me get my motor together correctly and not, you know, screw it up. <laughs> so uh, he's been, you know, he's been there every step of the way with it. So yeah, yeah. So it's just as much his project now as it is mine because I, I think it's spent more time in his garage than it has in mine. Yeah, at nice. this point. Yeah. So thanks, Randy. Yeah, yeah. He's very gracious to allow that to happen. Yeah, he he really is. He really yeah. is. Well, this uh, show has been really, really amazing. As I think back, uh, we're very fortunate that our friends at PRI allowed us to have this space and and do this kind of stuff. We recorded some interviews that the PRI folks, um, you know, kind of asked us to, which I would have done anyway, absolutely. Um, the PRI organization, you know, it stands for Professional Racing Industry, and we tend to think of racing, you know, as something that's right in front of your, right in front of your hands, you know, wherever you are. But it's a global thing. You know, racing is huge all over the world, mm -hmm. obviously. And they wanted to really put an emphasis on getting some international uh, promoters and international media people to come to the show uh, to bring their their take from uh, some of the global markets uh, to Indianapolis here, because this is dominated, you know, by American drag racing and mm -hmm. you know American NASCAR circle mm -hmm. track kind of stuff here at the show. And uh, we interviewed a couple gentlemen who are media professionals, one in England and one in Singapore, as a matter of fact and learned about the uh, uh, extensive uh, types of racing that's going on there. It's a lot of formula stuff, mm -hmm. so F1 through, through Formula 4 and, and uh, touring cars and, and some open wheel stuff and, and, and Caterham, like Super 7s. And, and uh, uh, what I'm finding interesting is that they all came here to talk to us about what we're doing and I just wanted to hear about what they're doing. Right, right. <laughs> that's always the way it goes, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, to, to give them a little bit more involvement in the show, um, kind of right next to us is the Featured Product uh, Showcase. And the Featured Product Showcase is over 400 different items that are uh, in a special display, the full range of product categories. So uh, engine parts, exhaust, headers, brake parts, you know, safety gear. And, and they asked uh, these seven international 
uh, individuals to be judges and select uh, different featured products from the showcase so that they uh, um, could again shine some significance on those products and correlate them back to the type of racing that's going on wherever they came from. So it was neat to talk to them and uh, we spoke with a number of the feature product showcase people as well um, about new and, and innovative things, safety gear, even uh, things like uh, we had a seminar on, on towing safety and hauling and we were fortunate enough to have a member of the Indiana State Police here oh, right on. As, as one of our guests to learn about uh, some of the crazy things that he sees. <laughs> <laughs> and we finally settled at one of the age-old questions, and that is when people strap down a car in their trailer, uh, you have probably an equal number of people that, that cross the tie-down straps. Oh, uh, okay. And then the other half that point those tie-down straps straight uh -huh. and don't cross them. And uh, Rod already heard all this, so I'll, I'll ask you, what do you think is the, the preferred or correct method. It sounds like a great trivia question. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, only, that only means that I'm going to get it wrong. <laughs> um, I would say to cross tie it so it gives you a little lateral stability. Is this your final answer? That's my final <laughs> answer. <laughs> well, there are many, many people that do cross. Mm -hmm. And I think where that came from, and I didn't get a chance, we were talking to, uh, uh, to Colin um, McRae from uh, Con or Max Tie-Downs. He's the, uh, the owner of the company and, and th that's all they do is tie-down equipment. And I think where this came from is the, the chain binders, you know, on, on heavy equipment mm -hmm. uh, where they crank these things down on these big trailers and it, it translated over to the synthetic tie-down, which is, you know, your nylon strapping and whatnot. And he and I both agree it is not the proper way to cross them. Really? Uh, and he gave some great reasons why. Uh, and let's hear it. One of them is that whenever you cross the, uh, the straps and put tension on them, mm -hmm. uh, the, the crossed ends are going are gonna to try and spread apart or, or meet each other, right? So if you, you hook onto two ends of an axle housing across uh -huh. those straps, you start to tighten them down, uh -huh. by shortening them, they're going to try and skip together, uh -huh. right, and, and as you're tightening them down. Well, what's going to stop them from coming together all the way but something on your rear end housing. Okay. Maybe it's a brake line mount, which would be bad. You might, you know. That would be unfortunate. It would be, and, yeah. and what a lot of people do is, you know, they, they, they strap this thing down and, and it's okay in the trailer and they check it, you know, but they hit the road and they're, as they're going down the road, that thing's. It's moving around. All right. Yeah, it's awesome. Can I change my answer? No. <laughs> I asked if it was your final answer earlier. So this is a potential safety problem because you can hurt the car. Right. Uh, the next thing is, as that's happening, the straps are getting longer, so they're losing their tension. Oh, and now right. the thing is going to get now free. Now it's going to move around and, and the cause damage and yeah, yeah. be a safety hazard. Okay, and fine, an, fine, fine. Uh, another, another aspect is, what if one of those straps loses its, uh, uh, its grip? So now you have tension pulling it to the side yeah. uh, instead of straight back. And then the, the other thought that I right. brought to the table that, that he agreed with is that you want a, a nylon strap to be as short as possible so that it minimizes flex. That and by sense. crossing them, you make All them right. longer. So All right. You can stop rubbing my nose in it. I'm uh, wrong. I'm just re uh, recapping the findings <laughs> of our seminar. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there was some, uh, some pretty neat educational aspects of, uh, of the seminars and stuff that we did here. 
in addition to racer story time. Mm -hmm. Kind of bummed I missed them all. Well, you may have missed them live, but we did record them. All. Oh, duh. Right. But yes, that's, we did. that's good. I you know, created a little demand there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. uh, obviously, Rod liked the uh, um, NMCA deal. What were some of the other uh, uh, stuff that you thought was pretty cool or people to hear from here? You know, I, I think the, uh, the Salt Flats, the fastest people on earth, it was just an amazing seminar. You know, I, I think that uh, I haven't personally been able to make it out to Bonneville, and it's always been something that's on my bucket list. And to, uh, to have some conversation and, and see the, the camaraderie between you know some of these racers that are in the 400 and 425 mile an hour range setting records and, and you know talking to the chassis guys and just learning about um, you know the fact that the car really doesn't even start putting any horsepower to the ground until it's two miles in you know they're they're, they're going the first half of a mile and they're putting 150 to 200 horsepower to the ground really? and they're gradually drawing that up until where they're putting that two and three thousand horsepower mm. to the ground um, to get to the 427 miles an hour but um, you know that I thought was just fantastic and um, you know I think Kevin you had mentioned that just the humility of, of all of the guys that were up here it was you know we're just a bunch of guys that like to get out and have fun um, and we like to go fast but we try to create an environment to where we're all a big family. Mm -hmm. We're, we're going to be there to help you to do whatever it takes. And we're going to enjoy ourselves. We're going to laugh and we're going to have fun. But when it comes time to pull up to that line, it's, you know, nose to the grind, all holds barred, safety, preparation, making sure that we're ready to go. And it's all business. Mm -hmm. um, and then after the run, it goes back. And you right. know, sometimes we've got to do that full teardown and, and get ready for the next round. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we've put a put a great great rundown and we don't have to make that next round but uh, um, I, I think that was probably my second favorite one was just the uh, you know seeing some of these people that you you read about uh, and you see the videos on when you're thinking about the, the great things that occur in Bonneville mm -hmm. I agree that uh, that Bonneville thing was was really really cool and uh, there's a term that they were using that Rod was kind of describing it's calling going one-to-one -one. Mm. and when you when your rear tires have finally achieved traction, uh -huh. they're going the same speed as the front tires, and that's called going uh, one, to one to one. So uh, uh, Kenny Duttweiler, who was one of our guests, legendary engine builder, and uh, Steve Watt, who, who built the uh, Speed Demon land speed car uh, streamliner that's driven by George Poteet, uh -huh. uh, and, and uh, uh, Chris Rashke from ARP was here, he, and not only as a, a, you know, a product guy, but he's a crew member on that team. Is he? Yeah. He's hands, I would say hands on, but he's more than knee deep in this stuff. I mean, he, he, he lives for Bonneville. Wow. And, and what he thinks is, uh, he tells me all, every time he comes back from the salt, we talk about it. And, and he tells me about how much of a, it, it, I equate it almost to, a, to a, like a basketball team, these guys are. They're a, they're, a, they're a pit crew, but in the salt. And everybody's got their place, they got their responsibilities, they've got their skills. and. Another, uh, um, uh, well, we had uh, Keith Dorton, who's uh, also an engine builder, who's been building some soft flat engines. And then uh, uh, Bob, um, what's his last name? It's, it's the last day of the PRI show we talked about. <laughs> uh, anyway, this gentleman uh, also uh, runs a streamliner um, called Flashpoint. Two streamliner cars, totally different approaches. The Poteet car is, uh, 
I think two years old now. It's a, it's a fresh design. Mm -hmm. It is state-of-the-art technology. It was engineered to be worked on. Really? So in the early days, you would, you know, to make a streamliner, you, you look at your drivetrain and just try and stuff it in the smallest aerodynamic, you know, footprint, if right. you will. Uh, today, they are engineering this thing so that side panels blow off for instant access to subsystems and and mm -hmm. because they value the time. It, you don't have a lot of time at Bonneville. If something goes wrong, you're going to break this thing down and fix it. Mm -hmm. and, and Chris was saying that uh, they could do a full engine change an hour and 10 minutes, I think, now. Wow. In an engine, if you looked at it, it's buried under plumbing and cabling right. and, and hydraulics yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and linkages. So that's the high-tech side. The, the low-tech side was... Uh, the Flashpoint car, which was built in the 70s, oh. and it, well, so Kenny Duttweiler and the, the Speed Demon car is uh, turbocharged, fuel injected, a hundred channels of data acquisition, wow. streaming real time. You know, every, this is a moon rocket. Yeah. <laughs> the other one, nitro burning Chrysler Hemi. <laughs> <laughs> and they're both about the same speed. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, they were 427 or 430 miles an hour in one, and you know, same with the other one. Oh my gosh. And they're, they're both going for 500 at some point. I see. Uh, but Bob racing the, uh, the Flashpoint car, he, he's been racing this thing since the, the late 70s. And uh, uh, you know, the Petit car's brand new. So these guys are technical, technically competitors mm -hmm. in the unlimited streamliner class. Uh, but are so complementary to each other about being on the stage and sharing that experience. Mm -hmm. And one of the most fascinating things I learned about that unlimited streamliner class, we all look at them as you know, going very, very fast. They, uh, they told me the rules. Really? Yeah. Here are the rules for an unlimited streamliner. Are you ready? Lay it on me. You have to have four tires. Okay. okay? And they, they can't be in a row or it's a motorcycle. So okay. it's you know, two and two. Gotcha. And that's it. That's the rule. That's it. <laughs> All right. Nothing else. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. There's no engine. Yeah, no, no engine limit, no, no size limit, no really? fuel limit, um, no electronics, huh. no, nothing from an aerodynamics perspective. Anything goes. Yeah, in fact, huh. uh, the Flashpoint car is a you know, long streamliner, and it's, it's got a, a top fuel-style wing on it. All right. Big thing sticking up in the air, which... Uh, he wrecked this thing, what, last year? Two years ago? I think two years ago. At uh, uh, 420 wow. some miles an hour and, and walked away from it. He was, you know, thank God he was fine. Right. But uh, that wing actually stopped the car from, from pencil rolling off into oblivion. Is that right? Yeah. And Duttweiler pointed out that at that speed, you're doing uh, a mile every eight seconds. Wow. Wow. That's right. So the, the wreckage from his crash was about a mile and a half. I, I was going to say. Strewn <laughs> across the, the, the That's salt. a heck of a cleanup effort. It was about a 12 second wreck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's, but, a, that's a pretty uh, pretty small club those guys belong. Totally. 400 mile an hour club? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, you know, to Rod's point again, so, so Duttweiler is is you know genius level like some of the you know the other engine builders and fabricators we, we were fortunate enough to speak with and he's casually telling us about how they apply power to this thing and it's a uh, he looked at the the course right and it's a five mile course okay and most people like rod was saying don't go one to one they don't get traction until you know the end of the second mile 
And Duttweiler looked at this and said, hey, we got five miles, how come we're not using all of them, right? All right. And, and no doubt you've seen you know, videos or, or pictures in, in magazines where you've got a push car. Mm, yeah, right. Some Ford pickup truck with a big bumper on it. And, and because you know, the presumption is that if you're gonna go 400 and some or 500 miles an hour, you're not gonna have a gear set that's gonna allow this thing to start from to a really dead stop. From a stop, right. Well, the, the uh, Speed Demon car now has a seven-speed transmission in it. Does it really? And it, uh, it will power itself from a very low speed. So I think they, they, they still use a push rig, but it's mm -hmm. only up to 30 miles an hour. All right. And then it takes over. And uh, George Poteet's driving, and he's steering and brakes and shifting and all that stuff. But the power application is managed electronically now. Oh. So they, like Rod was saying, they ramp in, you know, starting about 100 horsepower. And uh, by the end of the first mile, they're up to about 1,200. And then by the end of the second mile, they're up pushing 2,000. And by the third mile, you know, the fourth one is, you know, kind of the one you really want to get the speed going in. And the fifth, they're at 2,650, 2,700 horsepower. Holy cow. But the, the trick is to manage that just like, a, just like on a drag strip right. yeah. and, and not be out of control. So they're using all these uh, electronic devices to apply that throttle and, mm -hmm. and manage traction. That's amazing. It is. All that technology that goes into that. Right. 100 lines of data acquisition. 100 yeah. channels uh, right now, but that was, that was technically last year. As they hit oh. the salt this year, it'll be 130 channels. My goodness. And uh, Duttweiler said that they've got a guy who sits in the trailer mm -hmm. <laughs> and just downloads that stream and looks at the graphs. And uh, I don't know if you've seen some of that engine management software, but it's, it's uh, different colored, like one pixel lines that make these graphs. So it, it just looks like a macrame, you know, oh. like string, like a loom. Oh boy. And somebody will look at all this stuff and break it down. And, and Kenny uh, will do about a, a 15 minute cliff notes analysis mm -hmm. and make decisions on what they need to change. Okay. You know, is it going to be, uh, you know, uh, some application of boost or timing or, you know, is the drive shaft uh, wheel speed ratio slipping and is the transmission slipping and they, they know everything about the car. Wow. And then they'll get back out there and do it again. Huh. In, a, in a sport that you cannot test. Oh, the, yeah. Right. Because you got to be there. You got to be there. You can't go down to your local salt flats. No, 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 no. You believe that? Yeah. Right. Tuesday night salt flat <laughs> testing tune, you know, doesn't exist anywhere. So these are, are concepts that, you know, you're aware of, but you don't think about until you talk to people that do it. Mm -hmm. So not only do they not have the ability to test, so they have to simulate a lot of this stuff. So Duttweiler's uh, dyno will now run the salt flats course on the dyno electronically. Oh. So they load the program in and they hit go and it ramps itself up and does its power pulls and the whole time it takes to run the, the, the five mile course is completed on the dyno. I see. And again, Mr. Casual, Mr. You know, genius, <laughs> but, but very regular guy mm -hmm. says, yeah, you know, so uh, after you run this engine, uh, up to 9,700 RPM, and then it shifts, and then runs back up to you know just about 10,000. It shifts and mm -hmm. goes through all the gears, and you know it's making all kinds of noise, and it's making 2,700 horsepower, and then it ramps down, and then you go in the cell and you 
you loosen up the valve cover and you kind of peek underneath there. <laughs> if everything's still tight and still there, then you go, okay, okay let's, let's do it again. <laughs> it was unbelievable. That you know? is unbelievable. How casual is that? My Lord. Right, right. <laughs> so that that's totally fascinating. And, and, and every year, the other variable is that speed week is about the same time, but the weather is always different, mm. which means, you know, and at that level, they're monitoring barometric pressure. And, right. and, and yeah. it, so it's the, the surface of the salt for mm -hmm. traction and safety, but, you know, uh, altitude and all the rest mm -hmm. changes based on weather. So they have no idea how to tune the car suspension and all the rest of Until it. Until they get there. Until they get there. Yeah, I mean, you never know what the wow. conditions on that salt are going to be like. I mean, it's it's deteriorating year after year, and yeah. you know, there's plenty of efforts to, to revitalize that salt. But mm. to you know, to Kevin's point, you you have no idea what it's like. Right. Uh, you know what it's like from last year, this year, hard, compact, loose. Right. Yeah. If it's going to rain, if it's wet, slippery. Mm -hmm. So um, on the more modern cars, they have a lot of adjustability built into the the suspension and valving and all the rest. But some of the older cars don't. Nice. You know, and, it, and it's up to the driver. Oh boy. Uh, and again, that, that Flashpoint car, the reason why he wrecked is because uh, in the off season, they were doing some aerodynamics modifications to it and some cowling on the side was uh, too close to the tire. Oh. Well, you think too close to the tire, you know, you'd know that. Well, now oh. when you consider... It's gonna grow, that tire's gonna grow. Yeah, and they, they have it calculated where his tire grows an inch and an eighth for every 100 miles per hour. Oh, wow. And, and outside diameter, or diameter, I guess. Right. So um, it grew, made contact, caused an, it blew the tire, caused an immediate right turn, sure. blah, 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 and then it was over. Ooh. Well, I hope they don't make that mistake twice. No, <laughs> it's a learning curve. Yeah, you know, yeah. So. that's a heck of a curve. <laughs> well, and, and at the end of the day, that was you know kind of what I was hoping we would get is uh, information for somebody who's never done this before. Mm -hmm. and, and what do you tell somebody? And you know how it is when people get excited about something, you know, they, they do whatever research they do, but people say, how hard can it be? <laughs> it's a straight line. Five 400 miles an hour, <laughs> straight well, line. Well, even if it's a slower class and right. it's only gonna be 110 miles an hour, you know? Yeah, until you experience it, you, you have no idea what it's gonna be like. Right. right. Yeah. And they were joking that, you know, people say it's just a big drag race. It's not hard. You know, I race quarter mile. I do all that in, in uh, you know, eight seconds. Right. You know, how hard could it right, be to right. do it over five miles? And they say they can always spot the drag racers. Really? Because of, uh, they'll, they'll take off from the, or the, the push car or whatever, and they'll, they'll get up. The, the one, two shift usually goes okay. The two, three shift, the car's pointing backwards. Oh, boy. <laughs> and they go, oh, look, we're a drag racer trying to solve it. <laughs> Oh, and it's awesome. because you can't apply power. Right. On a drag strip, you know, you make right. that two, three shift, it's off the yeah, clutch and yeah. foot to the floor. Yeah. Out there, you have to Just understand. Yeah. yeah. So they, their advice is uh, if somebody's talking to you, you will need to listen to them. That makes good sense. Because they are trying to help you. Sure. Uh, and and uh, people are competing against each other, but they are competing with each other against right. records. Right. Know? And nobody wants to see anybody get hurt either. No, right. no, absolutely not. Uh, you know, especially when you're miles from nowhere. You know, right. the, the safety crews are top notch. They said when, when these guys wreck, you know, they might be 15, 20 seconds away. The, the safety crew's right there, which is kind of mind boggling too when you think out on that vast yeah. five mile salt course. Sure. Uh, so 
you know, again, it was uh, uh, super cool to get these firsthand, you know, experience stories about all this. Yeah. yeah. And as we sit here at the uh, the PRI VATV stage, uh, yes, we are in, in the um, towing uh, RV uh, uh, trailer section, mm -hmm. and these right now, most of them are, are plain white wrappers because they're trying to find new homes. Right. Uh, but I asked our, our salt flat racers, what, it, what is their sport missing? In the sense that you go to a NASCAR race and, and you know, you got the Tide car and mm -hmm. you got the DuPont car and, and the NASCAR, you know, the Daytona 500 is brought to you by, you know, whatever right. giant, right. you know, manufacturer yeah. sponsor. And I said, you don't see that at Bonneville. You don't see Speed Week, you know, brought to you by, uh, by RightGuard, you know, and, <laughs> and, and is this what they want? And right. they all said, no. Really? Yeah, right. They don't want any of the sponsorship. No. They want and to keep it pure. They want to keep it pure. And I think a lot of it is, uh, you know, if you bring a lot of money into the sport, you bring people that didn't kind of come in organically. Sure. I, I, I can understand that. Yeah. You want and, it to be your thing. Right. And you don't want a corporation taking over and changing right. everything the way that it's been for as long as it's been. Right, and maybe putting in rules that are motivated by a, a TV audience sure. or selling T-shirts, uh, you know, or, or that kind of nonsense. Mm -hmm. So the idea of, you know, there's a lot of people that go to the, to the salt and, and spectate, mm -hmm. um, but again, it's not, uh, it's not like the stands at Daytona, you know? Right, <laughs> well, well, like Rod, that's a, that's a bucket list item for me as well. I'd yeah. love to go, to go to Bonneville. I've been there, but I was too young, you know, I think I was seven or eight or exactly. so. And we stood out there and I looked at it and right. I went, wow. Right. Uh, but I did, you know. A little I, young to appreciate it. Totally, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that was definitely a high point was to, to talk with those guys. Right on. Yeah. And there was a lot of them. Uh, we did an engine builder panel with, uh, as Rod mentioned, uh, Keith Dorton and uh, John Kazi, mm -hmm. guys who are just totally different level. And there, oh, there's yeah. a, there's a fun John Kazi story from last year where um, here's a guy who doesn't accept anything that's just given to him as the definitive answer to anything. All right. He's always looking, saying, well, why, why don't we move this? Or why don't we change this? Or why does this happen? And uh, you, I'm sure you're familiar with the Engine Masters Challenge, yep. which uh, eventually turned into a magazine and a you know, yeah, web show and everything right, else. Right. It used to be a, an issue of uh, uh, popular hot rodding, I think, as right. we started. Mm -hmm. um, I actually covered one of those events, events for hot rod at uh, Bill Mitchell's uh, uh, Hardcore Racing Engines in, in, on Long Island Sweet. many years ago. But Kazi was going to build an engine for this. And uh, you know, you think big block Chevy or Chrysler Hemi or whatever. Mm -hmm. He built a 1958 Mercury. Really? Right. An MEL engine, that was a, tra a trivia question, wasn't it? The MEL? Or no, the FE was a trivia question. The FE, tra yeah. right. Well, the FE was Ford Edsel, MEL is Mercury Edsel Lincoln. Ah. Uh, damn, I let a trivia question out. Jot that one down. Yeah, yeah, that one's gone, you I'll, can't reuse it. I'll, I'll forget that one. But um, who builds those? You know, nobody. Mm -hmm. and, and what he ended up doing to, to make power was uh, that he called it a, a head gasket, uh, but it was like an inch thick and a billet aluminum oh, and wow. it allowed him to completely redesign the combustion chamber and the way the valves saw, you know, sit okay. against the head because mm -hmm. he put them in this giant plate and sunk that into the top of the cylinders and and designed his own compression ratio and everything and moved oh, all of it i mean 
So, so there is nothing that you hand this guy that he won't look at it and say, you know, if we change that valve angle or we move this port or we cut this in half and turn it the other way, it'll, uh -huh. it'll do better, right? Yeah. And last year, he was working on that MEL engine and he knew most engine builders appreciate the, uh, uh, the wave pulses that you get above the valve. So we all look at a carburetor or fuel injection system, an intake, mm -hmm. and we envision that the piston goes down and, and the valve opens and there's like a syringe suction right. and that's what pulls your air into the, the engine the through right. the carburetor or whatnot. And uh, the, the smart guys know that when that intake valve closes, it forces air back up. It pops that, that uh, air column, right? Okay, And sure. it causes a pulse. The really smart guys know how to, and, and same with when the piston hits the bottom of the, uh, uh, the travel and it starts going back up. If there's any valve overlap, if an exhaust valve's still open or something, some of that right. pressure's gonna get out right. and go back up the intake, right? And what's it gonna do? It's possibly gonna disrupt fuel flow. Mm -hmm. It's gonna uh, definitely disrupt airflow. Mm -hmm. So Kazi looked at this and, and uh, the smart guys know how to tune the intake runner length and that's why you see intake manifolds of various lengths, and tunnel rams and whatnot, because they're trying to capitalize uh, on the length of that runner so that when that reversion happens, mm -hmm. um, the, the reflex action actually enhances the right. air going back in. Yeah, the same kind of concept for exhaust scavenging as well. Exactly, we'll yeah. or like a, a two-stroke pipe right. you know, on a, on a motorcycle. Well. How do you measure what that pulse is, or the strength of that pulse? I don't know, Kevin. I'll tell you. Please tell me. If you're John Kazi, <laughs> you make a plastic intake manifold runner, okay. and you drill a hole in it, and you stick your finger in and you feel it. Really? <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly what he did. So he All built right. this uh, prototype uh, uh, you know, R&D manifold with a big threaded plug in one of the intake bungs and he fires up the engine and he loosens the plug and he's got his finger in the hole and he's revving this thing up, right? And on top of that is a, a box where the carburetors are sitting and you can it's clear plexiglass and you're watching the fuel flow dance around and do oh. crazy stuff. So he's seeing it and now he sticks his finger in there and you watch the video of his finger and at lower RPM it's you know it's kind of getting blown in the wind a little bit of that that intake charge but as they increase the RPM pretty soon his finger is flailing back and forth to the point where you think it's going to break. Oh my god. I mean it is like a like a playing card in the spokes of right. a bicycle wheel. I mean just so he, he, yanks, he yanks it out and puts a glove on, <laughs> tries it again, and he, he, he said that if, if he spun that engine, I think that engine was good to 7,200 or 8,000 or something, if he ran it that high and his finger was sideways, he probably would have broke a knuckle. Holy cow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yes. No, I would have never thought that those kind of, that, that backward force was so strong. Well, and you got to think about the number of times that valve is opening yeah. and closing yeah, exactly. per revolution yeah. that, that's causing Especially it to, at that high RPM, yeah, right on. Yeah, 7,200 RPM. Right, so now it makes, now we talked about yeah, it, yeah, now yeah. that now he it discovered it, sense, yeah, right? it makes perfect yeah. sense. Well, of course. <laughs> yeah. Did you say John Kazi discovered it? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I could have discovered that. And, and uh, you know, that premise was known, but nobody really had a feel. Well, now uh -huh. a guy like him, so, so he, he was here on our stage, you know, uh, he, he took time, and, and not only was he here on the stage, but to get here, it takes a pretty significant walk and uh, mm. from the main part where his right. display is. So we you know, greatly appreciate sure. the effort to come out here. Uh, but those type of people that can see past the limitations and say, 
well, how am I going to how am I going to do this? They're they're rare, and uh, so the story of the finger and the intake was not one that we discussed in our roundtable because uh -huh. I knew that had been covered quite a bit. I see. But but he talked quite a bit about some other fun things that they're working uh -huh. on. So can't wait to see it. Yes. Uh, so this to to me was just a mind blowing uh, experience. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and it's definitely one that we're going to go back and, and watch the tape later and see what happened because, you know, I was partially trying to keep the conversation going and, you know, be aware of technical stuff. Sure. But uh, uh, it was amazing. So nice. Very nice. Yeah. So uh, I think we've been here for a little while and we're at, towards the end of the show. And I guess we're going to uh, start uh, breaking things down in a few minutes. So uh, again, I'm. I'm glad we had the opportunity to bring Rod in. Yeah, me too. On Pleasure episode, to be on. Pleasure uh, to be on. Uh, bef before we do leave, though, another one of the sessions, and I don't want to let them all out of the bag because people need to check these out. Mm. These are going to be distributed through VATV and, and on our YouTube channel, our website, and also through uh, uh, PRI. They're going to share them in newsletters and things like that. Uh, you were here this morning, Rod, for the uh, uh, Drag Week. Yep, seven days of glory. Table, and, and so were you, Mike. Right. And of all of them, you know, Rod and I go back, we met on the Power Tour a million years ago, mm. and I think Drag Week, if, if I'm envisioning that if, if Rod's um, career and family life didn't go the direction it did where he had obligations, I think you probably would have been a Drag Week guy. Oh, absolutely. You know, we, we had talked, <laughs> I, I think it was probably our second year on Power Tour that we stopped at one or two different racetracks. And we all had fun, but it was more of a fun run than a really, let's see if we can knock down a hard time. Because, you know, the thought in our mind is, I got to get up tomorrow morning. I got to drive 400 miles to the next stop. And, right. you know, those first couple of years that we did the power tour, those were long stretches of days. We were on the road right. for eight hours. It wasn't, uh, you know, 150, 200 miles. It was three and a half, 400 miles. So I, I think everybody kind of took care of it. But, you know, several of us in the back of our mind were thinking, how cool would it be to go to a drag strip every single day and just knock down a time or you know i think the big joke was you know i'd love to to have people see my car driving on the power tour and come pulling in and i bolt on a set of slicks and i pull up to the front line and you know pull the wheels a foot and a half two foot off the ground how cool would that be um and now they're doing it you know and i think and doing it. overheard you talking about that i don't know if i go that far but uh, <laughs> you know i, I you look at it now and and it's just surreal the speed uh, and the times that these guys are putting down in the unlimited classes, and um, they're going out there full tilt. This isn't uh, let's see what we can do. It's uh, it, it's right. we're going, you know, this is set on kill. Let's make it happen. Yeah, the fact that those guys have cars that can go down the quarter mile that quickly is one thing. The fact that they can drive them yeah. all week long to the next drag strip and still race. That, that adds a whole nother level to right. it. Right, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that though they're probably not in the heat of traffic, right. there are times right. where they're in traffic. Sure. They're, they're stop and go. They're not getting on the highway and running. Mm -hmm. They've got checkpoints they've got to go to. Mm -hmm. They've got pictures they've got to take. Um, you know, there were some great stories, um, and I don't want to, you know, get any of those in, but there, there were some great stories about uh, some of the trials and tributes that happen on the road, the, the breakdowns, the camaraderie, mm -hmm. um, you know, what happens when, you know, who sleeps or who doesn't sleep that particular day. Right. And, um, you know, the right. co-pilots constantly doing tuning while they're mm -hmm. driving, just, uh, you know, amazing, amazing stuff that, uh, again, with, with the PRI, all of the products and parts that, that are available here, mm -hmm. um, they're, they're being put on these cars and they're they're doing six second passes and driving it 200 miles the next day to do it again yeah oh, goodness 
And uh, you know, I, I knew you'd be excited about that one because uh, we had Dave Schroeder who won it last year with a nitrous car, uh, Kevin Studaker who uh, has been running this thing for n nine years, he said, yeah, right? He said with nine with years. A, an LS7 uh, 72 Chevy wagon. Nice. Um, and Freiberger was in it again, yep. and, and so was uh, Brian Loans. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, who else did we have at that one? That was everybody. Yeah, I think. That was yeah, it. right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, Rod, as you talk about the ability to see the parts that make the cars and go, you know, kind of go shopping for those parts here. My analogy is, I think we went shopping for people here. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. We, we, I, I didn't do the the final total of how many people we had on this stage at different times. Our biggest session was today. We had a, a road race, you know, round table. We had seven, seven of us yeah, yeah, seven. at once. Mm -hmm. So again, I just really want to say how, how grateful I am to PRI for allowing us to do this and to uh, all the people who spent time with us here on this stage, took time out of their day, you know, took time out of doing business. Absolutely. To come here and do nonsense right. Right. You know, <laughs> with us. So thank you for that. Yeah, I mean, the key to remember is that it, it is a trade show. You know, these companies are here to, right. you know, showcase their product yep. to race teams, to machine shops, to um, wholesalers, retailers, and, and to Kevin's point, they're, you know, taking a 15-minute walk, not to mention an hour time frame on stage, mm -hmm. and then, uh, you know, there's usually some, some camaraderie and conversation yeah. after each one of the seminars and roundtables. So, um, you know, it's an investment for them. Uh, and it's great that they, uh, you know, they, they believe in, in connecting to folks that are outside of the, the, the trade industry, um, which we're going to be able to bring that to them. So, their end customer. Yep. Yeah. Uh, or I'm going to get a ton of hate mail uh, Monday morning, <laughs> <laughs> emails and phone calls saying, "Hey." <laughs> nah, I hope not. I put, I put an extra mile on my pedometer to come to your seminar. Yeah, today. yeah right. See, we're there for people's health. Yeah. Right. Right. Sonny Leonard uh, was. Again, a legendary racer, engine builder. Um, if you go to his website and look at the accomplishments on your phone, it takes about five scrolls to get through. Oh, wow. Yeah, this guy's been you know setting records in every possible race category for years, and uh, he built the uh, a charity engine that was uh, raffled off for the Victory Junction Children's Charity mm -hmm. this year uh, in association with Sun and Machines, and I have yet to hear the total, but. Previously, I think the, the grand total of ticket sales for a charity engine was about 50 grand, and they had that beat yesterday before the last day of ticket That's sales true. and before the credit card sales. That's that was phenomenal. all cash. Right and uh, Sonny is um, in his 70s now, and, and he doesn't need to come talk to us, mm -hmm. but he not only made his way over, he got bum directions and went to two other wrong places really? and, and still came yeah. here. He didn't say, you know, the heck with you guys yeah. uh, and share time. So uh, again, Super fortunate to uh, to have that time, and that is a video that people will be able to see uh, that we captured. So, Very cool. Yeah, it's been a it's been a great time. Absolutely. So you know, as far as the uh, the PRI moment for me was the whole three days. You know, it was not just one. Nice. Yeah. This is my PRI moment. <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> well played. So thank you. Yeah. Your show wasn't as cool as ours. <laughs> <laughs> we, we got to spend a little bit more time. Well, I got to spend a little bit more time out seeing the manufacturers and uh, talking to the folks out there. Um, Kevin was pretty well locked down to the stage, and uh, mm -hmm. you know we got a little bit of time, kind of after hours, to sneak around and look at some stuff. But uh, I, I think you definitely got to make sure you put this on your list for next year to spend an extra day to uh, oh, uh, yeah, visit some sure. of those manufacturers sure. and uh, get some great interviews for uh, V8 Radio. Yeah, there as well. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, gentlemen, well, uh, this was fun. 
yes, again, sir. appreciate uh, Rod being our uh, our live guest victim today, and uh, the the invitation's wide open, man. Any any time, so uh, appreciate Certainly it. Appreciate it for sure. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, Mike and I always talk about trying to get more of our crew members in on these, but it's usually a geographic or technical challenge. Yeah. Um, but I, I think we got to make a point of it of of getting the VA team in yeah. the show, the, the ones that are willing to you know right. burn some time with us. A good team member spotlight. Oh yeah, totally, yeah. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Definitely well, need to capitalize on those five listeners and have them turn <laughs> yeah. into the guest, right? Yeah, 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 yeah totally. Rod, totally. you get to make five new friends today. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Out of this whole thing. So yeah, Rod wins the spotlight. So if you uh, uh, you like listening to V8 Radio, you can find it on iTunes. And you can subscribe there, uh, Stitcher Radio, uh, Google Play, of course our Facebook page, uh, the website v8radio.com. And uh, who am I forgetting? Is that you? No, that's it. Yeah, right on. And this one uh, maybe uh, on the video side on YouTube. Yeah, perfect. All right. Well, I'm Kevin Oosti for Rod Euchner and uh, Mr. Mike Cubal Clark saying. Uh, Keep the shiny side up and we will see you we will see you maybe uh, or yeah. be seen next time on VA radio. <laughs>